In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to invite the children to come up. If you, if you want to come up and sit around this table, we're going to have the children decorate some fabric for us with images of all saints. Pastor Sid's going to help you. Asia, if Asia can come up and maybe Emily and help us keep caps on the paint we're not using. We want to contain the paint. Just a little squeeze. And then you can put some hearts. See, you can put a heart on there. Okay, so you write with See? it. You write like with pen, it. Don't you don't squeeze really hard. hard. You don't have to squeeze hard at all. And put the cap on when you're done using it. So who was, can people tell me who they were for Halloween? What was your Halloween costume? Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana, how cool. What about you, Maddie? You were what? The pick of the litter? No way! That is not surprising coming from your family. And what were you, honey? You were a witch? Yeah, very cool. Oh no, it's okay. It's all right, sweetheart. It's okay. She's, she's a little shy, I know. Okay, well, have fun with that. You can do hearts, you can do a face, because I gotta tell your parents about the communion of saints, okay? Because they, they need to uh, have a clue about that so they can teach you. How's that? Good job. Oh. So let me start out by saying that a couple of years ago when I would go to cocktail parties, you know, one of the conversations you have at a cocktail party with people you've never met before is they want to know what you do. So about five years ago, I had two choices. I could admit I was an HP rep and listen to people complain about the cost of their print cartridges, how much money they're, they're spending on that and how their desk jet doesn't work and where can they buy cheap toner. That was one choice. The other choice was to admit I was an Episcopal priest and that was worse. Because then people like go back through their head, did I swear in front of her? Um, what, it, what have I said? Is she going to judge me? And, of course, my husband's always helpful with that. He says, well, you don't know her very well, not to worry. But, <laughs> but now I'm kind of down to that because I don't work for HP anymore. So I have to kind of admit that I'm, I'm in the clergy, I'm in the ministry. So Scott and I went down to Alabama last weekend because our youngest son was hosting a baby shower. And as some of you know, he's an army ranger. And the rangers know how to host a baby shower. I'm talking a 20-foot-high bonfire where some guy shoots a flare gun into it after they poured gasoline over the top, you know? And then they wonder why the neighbor comes over to see what's going on. Well, anyway, uh, the women went off and we did our thing and the boys drank beer and stood around this blazing inferno. And um, when we came back, uh, it, you know, it was the normal party situation, so I got to meet a lot of these army rangers who have been deployed in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I would tell them I was in the clergy, and, and they were not at all put off by that. As a matter of fact, they really wanted to have a conversation with me, and a lot of times a conversation would start with the tattoos that they have, and a lot of them have skulls as tattoos. And so I would ask them, like, what is that about? Why do you have skulls 
and not skull and crossbones, but I mean really good rendition of a human skull on their arms. And uh, one uh, young man in particular, early 20s, been deployed a few times, had, had this skull, and he says, well, he said, this is how I deal with death. He says, I, I put it out there because I have to face death in my job. That's what I do. And so I want it out there because I want it something that I'm looking at and that I'm facing. And then he looked at me and he looked me right in the eyes and he said, and I'm not afraid of death. And so my 51-year-old mother's mind went, well, yeah, that's because you're 24 years old and you're male and you think you're never going to die because that's what you, how you are when you're male at that age. But as he went on to tell me his story, he had seen one of his buddies die, and I think he really had a good idea of what he was facing and that he wasn't in denial of death. And I began to believe what he told me was true. He was not afraid of death. But what he wanted to know from me was what happens after we die. So we had this conversation about that, and I said, well, I believe that we go to heaven and we are with God. And he, he said, well, I said, I, I think I believe that too. He said, but does my buddy know what's going on down here? Are somehow we connected with those who have died? And I looked around the party, and there's a couple of women who were pregnant. There were those of us who were present at the party, and we were bringing into the present those who had died. And I said, this is the communion of saints. This is what we're talking about. It's those who have yet to come, those who are here, and those who have come before. And we are connected through the love of God. So he said to me, well, how do you know this? And I said, I know it because of what we read in the scripture. This is how I know this. And that the readings that we heard today, the powerful readings from the wisdom of Solomon, from Revelation, and from the Gospel of John, all point to this eternal life that exists with God, where death is no more, where there is no more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying. And we have these readings at funerals. And what we read today, what is in your bulletin today, are some of the most famous readings that occur at funerals. But when we're at a funeral, we can't focus on the scripture. Instead, we're thinking about the person who's died, we're in our own sense of grief, we're mourning, we are not ourselves, and so therefore we can't focus on that scripture that's before us that tells us that God has power over death. The story of Lazarus is one of the most powerful, profound stories in the Christian Gospels. It's where Jesus, who delays in coming to help Lazarus, who is deathly ill, shows up after he has died, four days after he has died. And for all of the commentators who want to make it that he was asleep, the scripture says no, he was stinking of death. He was absolutely dead. And then we find out that Jesus, the Son of God, who we believe that God is so fully present in, feels the pain and the sorrow and actually weeps when he discovers that Lazarus is dead. This is another reason why I'm Christian, because I need to know that God understands what it's like to mourn the loss of a loved one. It's something we all go through in our lives. And we need to know that God 
knows what that is like and is with us when we're mourning and weeping at the loss of a loved one. But the dramatic piece of the story is that Jesus goes, rolls the stone away from the tomb, and calls Lazarus out of death into life. This is an incredible metaphorical truth because God calls us out of death into life. We tend to think in linear fashion. We're all exposed to number lines when we're kids. We have the little number on our grave markers. We have born on this date, died on this date. You know, for infinity, we see this little number line that has an arrow pointing to nowhere that goes on and on. I, I never got math. I still have anxiety dreams, but, you know. There's, for us, in, as Christians, it's not about a number line that goes on forever. We come from God, we go back to God. And at each stage, we are in a different part of this life that we have in God. We have the pregnant women, the babies that come from God. We live the life that we are living right now in the present. And then when we die, we go back to God. And we are all connected through the love of God in what we call in this tradition the communion of saints. The ranger was concerned that his friend, who he had watched die a violent death, that his friend was able to see where they had come. Now, when we think of soldiers in Afghanistan and Iraq, we may think of them fighting. But that's not all that they're doing. They're, they're rebuilding houses. They're feeding Afghani children who have no food. They're looking at infrastructure. They're helping people rebuild their lives. And this soldier wanted me to reassure him that his friend could see that they were doing that, and it wasn't just about death and destruction. And that is what we're called to do within the community of saints, that in the, in the reading Revelation, we hear about a new heaven and a new earth, whereas we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we're all working toward. The saints who came before us, the saints that we are now in the midst of God's love on this earth, and those who have yet to come, that each of us spend a few moments in our lives bringing that kingdom to earth, bringing the reign of God to earth in the little things that we do for one another. So that at the end of time, when this world has passed away and we are part of the next world where we are in God's love, where we are present in that, that we will live into that kingdom that breaks in when some soldier hands a little kid a candy bar. Amen.